homeschooling moms embarking on a self-defining journey. Listen in on conversations that will encourage you to be your authentic self while uplifting your spirit and motivating your inherent potential. They're defining what culture is for their families and want you to do the same. Bring your children along too so they can meet the cleverly cultured kids. They're all for teaching the babies while they're young, adapting to the challenges of parenting, homeschooling, and being willing to learn the lessons that the children have to offer. It's all about uplifting one another and reclaiming your innate greatness. a child that loves animals? If so, this will be a great episode for you to listen to with them. Today's history to explore comes from the American South. The Emancipation Proclamation was passed in 1862. Did you know that in the latter part of the 1800s, after it was passed, many freed slaves settled west? The Forgotten Black Cowboys of the Wild West, written by William DeLong, records that as many as 25%, which was about 3,500 freed slaves, made the Wild Wild West their homeland and became Black Cowboys. Visit the show notes page and click on Learn More to find out more about Black American Cowboys. Today's African proverb is a Yoruba proverb, and it says, when your neighbor's horse falls into a pit, you should not rejoice at it, for your own child may fall into it too. It's now time for the word of the episode. Today's word of the episode is brought to you by the country of Nigeria. Kosiwala. Kosiwala. It means no problem in Europe. episode is sponsored by Night Zookeeper, an online educational program for children. Our co-host Miriam and her children were able to use Night Zookeeper and give a great review on what it's all about. Her children had so much fun. So listen in and hear what Miriam has to say about Night Zookeeper, a full language arts curriculum. You've got to check out Night Zookeeper. It's an educational online program that covers reading, writing, grammar, and spelling. It's an amazing tool, whether you're homeschooling or supplementing your child's education. 
It's so much fun. My two children, ages seven and nine, are enamored. They're in love. It's so much fun. They start off by drawing. Everybody loves to draw something sometimes. They draw a character, they draw a self-portrait, and then they get to write and play games. And they keep going in the circle of writing and playing games and they're enjoying themselves. But the best part about it is I don't have to beg them to engage with the program. They're begging me, hey mom, can I go on night zookeeper? Sure thing, baby. Have fun. Welcome to another Cleverly Changing Conversation. Today we have a new show. It has been a while and I am so grateful that you're tuning in again. I'm really excited about today's show because when I was done with college, I actually went into a program called AmeriCorps. And that's something that your children may want to go into as well It's right here in America. And it's kind of like the Peace Corps. You get to do public service and help out. But I had a very unique position. I taught children how to ride horses who had physical disabilities. And so our guest is going to talk to us about something that's near and dear to my heart. I don't want to spoil it. So um, if you're not familiar with me, I am Elle Cole. I am a mom of twin daughters and I homeschooled my children for seven years. I'm also an author and a sickle cell advocate as well as a type one diabetes advocate. So I am so glad that you are tuning in. This show isn't just for homeschoolers, it is also for families who wanna supplement their children's education. And I promise you that this show is one that you'll wanna share with a friend. So with Without further ado, let me introduce our guest. Our guest today is Abriana Johnson. So Abriana, can you introduce yourself to everybody? Hey, yes, yes, definitely. I am so happy to be on your show. My name is Abriana Johnson. I am from Chapel Hill, North Carolina, and I am the founder of Cowgirl Cameron, a equine experiential learning company, whatever brand, whatever. But I am an author and illustrator, have horses, ride horses, and I'm really passionate about getting black people and black kids uh, in particular into horses and at least learning what horses have to offer. That is super amazing. I know when, so I was in Iowa when I was teaching children how to ride horses and it was not something that was native to me. I got the position and I had to learn how to groom a horse, how to feed a horse and mm -hmm. everything that comes with horses. But what I loved was horses were so loving. Mm -hmm. And when they would trot, it was like they were mimicking the way we walk. And so it was just a wonderful experience and very relaxing. So I just know that those were some of the best 
months of my life where I was able to just be right there with the horses. And I think it's something that sometimes African-American children aren't always exposed to. So when you were younger, did you have a fascination with horses? How did, you know, you become a cowgirl? Yeah. So when I was younger, I, um, my, my father's side of the family, um, ran or owned a hog farm. So, uh, horses were like a tool. It wasn't really like a, Oh, I'm going to go have fun and ride. It's like, okay, are they going to plow a field or what are they going to do? Um, so it, we didn't really have that kind of relationship with the ones that were there. When I was younger, I decided or I asked to do some riding lessons, but the horse that I was on, I mean, it was a good lesson pony in hindsight. I understand, but I was very frustrated as a kid. Like I have to work so hard to get this old horse to do anything. (laughs) I didn't enjoy it. I didn't enjoy it. It wasn't until high school when I started attending trail rides that I got back into it and I was in this this environment with a bunch of black cowboys and black cowgirls riding through the woods having fun fellowshipping singing like it was just an amazing experience so it wasn't until high school I really got back into it and really said okay this is something that I want to do long term. Wow. I know that in recent years, we've heard more about Black cowboys. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a Netflix movie that comes to mind out of Philadelphia, which is totally, totally out of the norm. Um, We also have heard about them being in L.A. um, with horses. But there is a rich history in Texas. You mentioned that you're from North Carolina. I haven't heard of a history of cow girls or cowboys in North Carolina. So is there some sort of history around black people and and horses in North Carolina? Yes. Yeah, so the the trail ride, I guess, association or group that um, I grew up riding with is called the East Coast Trail Ride Association, and it dates back into the 60s and 70s. So that's that's the oldest uh, history that I am connected to here in North Carolina. But if you think historically, when it comes to how black people were uh, positioned in the South and, you know, from slavery to sharecropping to um, owning whatever land they could own, you know, and having the animals there to help till that land. Um, We've always been connected to horses and we've always whether it be a horses or mules, we've always had some sort of um, connection there, especially when you're, you know, down east in North Carolina, where there's a lot of farmland and, and into South Carolina. Wow. You know, so many of us who were descendants of slaves in the South, so many of us have an agricultural background. But mm-hmm. as we've gotten older, our families have moved from those areas into more urban areas or into the suburbs and children aren't really exposed to nature (laughs) like they were in the past 
or yeah. animals and farms. But I think there is a sense of responsibility and a sense of discipline that come with being on a farm. You mentioned that your family had hogs. What are some of the lessons that you think you learned growing up being in that sort of environment? Uh, one of the biggest things is that there is a world outside of me. <laughs> you know, kids are all like me, 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 me a lot of times. Well, growing up and and knowing that I had to. Um, OK, let me re- let me rephrase. I was the princess. I didn't have to do anything. But what was what was needed was going out to feed these animals and making sure that we're, um, you know, taking care of them and all the way through processing and understanding what these animals provide back to us. You know, we take care of them so that they can provide back to us. That was kind of the biggest lesson. Like this is, this is bigger than me. This is, we're doing something to sustain us long-term. This is where our food comes from. That was kind of my biggest, like, wow. Like this is, um, my family is self-sufficient in this way. If we need to make food, we have acts. We don't have to ask anyone for that. It's not always going to the grocery store. Um, that was kind of the biggest, like, and outside of the hard work and um, just making sure they're taken care of. That was just really the biggest lesson that I was, I learned as a kid. When the pandemic hit us, I think that was when I started to think about those older lessons and tilling the ground and getting, you know, planting crops and getting our vegetables from the ground and having a garden and those sort of things. And I think now that we're, what, two years into the pandemic, people are still kind of tapping back into that, um, like, gardening and planting and really getting closer to the land. It's like, it's within us. So we still have to learn those valuable lessons. It's not just, you know, we're not just going out there planting and all of a sudden everything comes up because Mm -hmm. still it takes work. We have to learn, but we do have the internet as a resource, whereas Mm -hmm. back in the past they didn't. It was kind of shared, the lessons were shared through word of mouth and now Mm -hmm. the lessons are things we can Google. Yes. (laughs) And so, but I think we have, because of our experiences with the pandemic, we now see how valuable that knowledge is. Whereas in the past, we may have taken it for granted. Like, oh, we don't need that anymore because food is so much more accessible. But we know that within a matter of weeks or days, our world can shift and things that used to be very accessible are no longer as accessible. So for you, And for the children that you come in contact with, are there any lessons that really stand out as it relates to the pandemic where children are having those aha moments just like you had? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, You know, children and and their parents are the the cost of food is going up. Um, People are learning or um, learning of more programs or individual farmers themselves, connecting with them at a more local level. 
as opposed to, you know, just everything I get is from the grocery store. There's more farmer's market visits. There's more, um, you know, these co-op boxes where you can get deliveries of vegetables. Um, Sometimes there's meats. There's so much more activation at a local level because people realize, you know, the cost of the food that I have to get shipped here to the grocery store for me to purchase is going up because gas is going up (laughs) because, you know, labor shortages, everything is going up. So it is a, a beautiful time for community building and, you know, checking out your local resources for food. Now, when it comes to horses, um, I think that's more of a, a social, emotional and behavioral opportunity to connect. Uh, horses have that um, innate ability to really remain in the present and require authentic interactions for them to feel safe. And so that coupled with really being nonverbal, I mean, you can talk to them, but they don't know English. (laughs) They, they really um, help children, you know, have this sort of relationship or conversation that doesn't have expectation or doesn't have correct answers. It's what is the feedback that I'm getting from this animal right now? And how am I showing up? And how can I communicate with them so that they understand me? So they, there's the the tangible and and the, the grocery side and the food security side. But also when you're looking specifically at horses, it's that social emotional connection that's really been a beautiful opportunity during, during the pandemic. I want to touch on several things you said. The first thing is the sense of community. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a really huge piece because one thing that happened during the pandemic was our community source was kind of ripped from us. Mm -hmm. And so we didn't have that interpersonal communication that we once did. And for us as adults, I feel like we were able to kind of weather that a little bit better because, you know, we had our Zoom calls and other things like that. But for children, I think it was very stressful to not really have that outlet to be with other people. And I mentioned earlier that I did AmeriCorps and I worked with children with, um, they have physical disabilities. Some of them were learning disabilities or behavioral disabilities. And those were the kids who would come to the ranch that I worked on and we would teach them how to ride the horses. But what was amazing is some of these children were nonverbal but they would learn how to have more confidence and would communicate with the animals. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I lied to you not. It was phenomenal. And I think I had never seen that sort of communication Mm -hmm. um, in the same way. And it really changed my worldview with the way touch is Mm -hmm. so pivotal in our, in our lives because the, the kids I, I'm thinking of one kid in particular, and he couldn't talk, but he would he would have a special touch when he would rub the horse. Mm-hmm. And the horse would trot, like he would pat the horse. It was just, it was phenomenal. The, tr- the horse trusted him, he mm-hmm. trusted the horse. And yeah. physically he was kind of hunched over and he would, um, you know, he had some physical disabilities, but when he was on the horse, he would sit up straighter. And it would really change his physique. And Mm -hmm. I just thought it was phenomenal. 
And so when I think about that sense of community, while, you know, we we've gotten more um, better at communicating with others now that the world has kind of opened up, but there's still kind of like this mental and emotional turmoil that some youth are still facing with, you know, just having their world disrupted. And sometimes when you bring animals into the midst, there's a healing that takes place. Can you think of any experiences in your, you know, you have the camp in what you do that's Mm -hmm. kind of similar to how animals really can help transform children's confidence and the way that they communicate with the outside world? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, When kids, so let me rewind a little bit. Um, Cowgirl Cameron uh, started off as a hobby. I was just like, you know, I'm reading these books to kids being asked to come to these schools. But a lot of the, the books about black cowboys and black cowgirls were like rooted in slavery, rooted in historical context. And I was making up stories to go with the pictures just to lighten the mood a little bit. Um, and as an artistic person, I was like, you know what? I could just make my own. So I did. So one of the characters in the book is Encore the Miniature Horse, and he's actually real. I have him. He lives in my backyard. So I take him with me to um, visit with the children. He is our main little mascot. And so there have been several times where, you know, anytime I approach a group of kids, I'm like, there's there's four rules. Um, This is for the parents, too. Rule number one is you do not have to touch them. You know, sometimes parents are like, ah, just go, just go. And it's like, no, they don't have to touch them. They don't have to touch them. Um, Rule number two is that you just have to have quiet feet and that helps with no running. You know, we can use our inside voices even though we're outside so we don't startle startle him. And then number four, um, I can't remember number four off the top of my head, but going through these rules, they're not hard rules, right? But the very first rule starts with you have a choice. And I think sometimes our kids are um, choices taken away from them. And so when they get to come and interact with Encore and brush him, I, I give them choice, but also boundaries. And it's for safety. Right. And so I remember having this one little boy um he was so excited. He he wanted to brush him. He wanted to, you know, play all in his hair. And I'm like, this, th- all of this is fine, but we have to follow the rules to keep you safe and to keep the horse safe. And we want, we want to make sure the horse is not afraid. Is there a time that you felt like you were afraid and you just wish someone listened? And he just took a deep breath and his shoulders relaxed. And I was like, Okay. Do you want to brush him with a brush? You want to brush him with a comb? And he wanted to use the brush. Great. Do you want to brush him on his mane? You want to brush him on his back? What do you want to do? And so he was able to make those choices, but he still felt empowered despite having boundaries. And I think that's just a a beautiful example of uh, opportunity. You know, it's not, I'm not telling you what to do, but it's just so that you are safe and so that 
the pony safe and so that y'all can have a good time. That, that is like one of the, the textbook uh, interactions that I remember, you know, when I'm working with kids. That's awesome. I, I love that you're giving children choices because mm-hmm. it's so important. Like we, we often take the choices away from children and expect them to grow up to be decision makers. <laughs> but that is something that you have to learn along the way. Mm-hmm. And so giving them that opportunity to have options and learn which, you know, you know, the pros and cons of each. Yeah, yeah, what Me. happens? Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. And I, I think that, you know, as you were telling that story, that's what came to mind. You know, he's he's looking and evaluating, well, which one would be more pleasing to me? You know, and I think that's important. It seems so simple to us. Mm-hmm. But to learn what, what do we like? You know, he wanted to choose the brush as opposed to the comb. Mm-hmm. It seems simple, but there, there's valuable lessons in that small yeah. interaction. So yeah. thanks yeah. for sharing. Of course. So I'm wondering, you mentioned that you have the one horse in your backyard. How many horses do you own? Uh, two, two. I um, I have a larger horse. He lives in Chapel Hill with my parents. Okay. So I would love for you to send us pictures if possible for us to add to the show notes. Cause I know everybody who's listening is like, no, I want to see the horse. Yeah, of course. I definitely <laughs> can. can. You, until, you know, they go to the show notes. Can you kind of paint a picture of what your horses look like verbally so that people can visualize them? Absolutely. And it's actually shorter than you would imagine because I decided to have two horses that look exactly alike. One's just big and one's just small. So (laughs) I got um, Maestro, who is a Tennessee walking horse. I got I bought him at six. He was six months old as a sophomore in college. I don't recommend it. But I have no regrets. Um, so I grew, I raised him, trained him the whole nine. We basically grew up together. He just turned 10 this year. Wow. Um, he is a, a um, tri-colored walking horse. So he is a dark brown, dark chocolate brown. He has some rusty, reddy brown on him as well. His mane is uh, white and black kind of alternating colors. He has what we call socks on the front. So it looks like he has little white socks on his front (laughs) legs and then stockings on the back. So they're a little bit higher. So they look like stockings instead of socks. You'll be able to (laughs) tell the difference. Um, But I remember sitting around with some friends and I'm like, you know what? Like this horse is great, but you know, I'm starting to work with kids. I would love to like have like a little bite-sized version of him, I think that would be so funny and we could do parades. And then the Craigslist gods were like, huh, what'd you say? You want a little version? And Encore. (laughs) Encore showed up. I don't know. He showed up on Craigslist and I was like, well, I I said it. So now I have to buy him. It doesn't matter how much I will buy him today. Perfect timing. (laughs) The perfect timing. And so Encore looks the exact same. Same color brown, white and black in his mane, socks on the front, stockings on the back. They both have white in their tails. And so I have a couple of pictures where I have them like side by side or or I'm in it and they're side by side. And you can see how similar they look. Wow. Wow. That's very cool. I'm wondering, you mentioned that you're an author and mm-hmm. did you have 
are the horses in your books are they do they look similar to the horses that you own yeah yeah um so the the core herd of uh cowgirl cameron is encore the miniature horse lola the miniature donkey and alpi the alpaca um maestro makes some um some guest appearances in there but he's not part of the core herd Cowgirl Cameron's herd is like a culmination of my experiences with animals because I do have a veterinary background. I worked with a lot of large animals and small animals. And so I have taken some of these different experiences and built them into the storyline. So I used to uh, run a boarding facility that had a miniature 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 donkey and so a lot of Lola's story and mannerisms come from my experience with this miniature donkey um I had a mentor who worked on alpacas a lot so I got a lot of alpaca experience (laughs) and so all of the 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 next story actually um I don't have a published date yet but the next story is kind of alpaca Alpi the alpaca's big story. And so um, each of the characters is really like just built into a lot of the experiences that I've had. And so, and then Encore, funny story. The second book is called Cowgirl Cameron and the Great Escape. And Encore escapes the fence and they have to search for him and then they fix the fence. And it's just a story about teamwork and resourcefulness and, you know, not leaving someone behind. Um, when I moved to where I live now, um, within 24 hours, Encore had escaped. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. And he ran two miles and was caught by the police and I had to go get him. And there was like police cars and fire trucks. And I live near an Air Force base. He was almost on the Air Force base. And so I was like, the irony, the irony (laughs) that there's a book about you escaping. Like, I need to rearrange my stories because Encore and the Million Dollar Farm... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> or encore's uh cowgirl camera hits the lottery like i need to i need to to, to write this story into existence apparently so yes, yes. it is it is so nice to to have a physical uh representation of the storyline and it just really connects the dots for the kids i'm sure i'm sure because i think you know what is the one question that the kids ask you when they get to see the book and the horse um, well, the first question is, did he ride in the car to get here? <laughs> and I have to say, yes, like he had, I have a little minivan that's pimped out for him. That's, that's usually the first question. Like, how did you even get here? <laughs> but the next thing is they want to know what he likes. They want to know what he likes to eat, what he likes to do. Does he, does he sleep all day? You know, they really want to know what everything about Encore and, and what he wants, what he prefers. They're, they're really um, keen on making sure they do things that he likes. And so if I say, yeah, he likes to eat grass every, especially if we're outside, everyone's running to pull up blades of grass, (laughs) like here, here, so then I have to tell, okay, well, sometimes, well, he don't like that kind of grass. Well, he likes clover. Well, he <laughs> and then it's just like, oh gosh, okay. 
<laughs> but um, it's it's just so much fun. It sounds like it's a lot of fun. I remember some of the treats that we would give the horses like apples. The mm-hmm. horses that we had, they loved apples. So, mm-hmm. you know, if we were trying to give them something special, that was one of the things. I remember them eating carrots too. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah, yeah. But I think um, just seeing children's eyes light up is something mm-hmm. that is is wonderful. I'm glad that you have books too. What age are your books geared towards? They're geared to like a four to 10 elementary age um, kids. Um, they're easy enough to understand, but also to read. Um, the, the third book is a alphabet book. And I kind of inserted that um, ahead of schedule because with the books upcoming, there's vocabulary that I'm using. I call it the agri equestrian alphabet. There's vocabulary that I'm using that is that kids may not be aware of. So I'm like, okay, let me just put this in a book first so that as we continue to have these stories, it won't be so, you know, foreign to them, these these different words that I'm using. Awesome. And I think one word that um, you mentioned, which is clearly, you know, one of those words that most of us should know, and that is equestrian. Can you tell everybody what an equestrian is? Yeah, yeah. An equestrian is someone who rides or interacts with horses. They're just passionate about horses and um that's about it. They don't have to have a profession. They don't have to do it super officially. You know, I tell any kid, if, if this interests you and you want to have more fun doing this, then that is what you are. You can call yourself an equestrian. So you mentioned that you go to schools and, mm-hmm. you know, you're teaching children this vocabulary, you're bringing the horses. How far mm-hmm. away do you travel for those type of interactions? So um, because I am from Chapel Hill, but I live about an hour and a half from Chapel Hill right now, um, anywhere within like a two hour radius for me is is good, especially if I'm going to take encore with me now if it's outside of that we can do virtual and encore can still be there um but it would just be he two hours is a good ride in the car for him and he will kind of be like okay what are we doing (laughs) (laughs) yes yes so how how would someone get your books. So I'm wondering because mm-hmm. I know families are listening and they're like, oh, I just I want my child to have her books because they yeah. just sound so fun yeah. and so educational. How how can someone get your books? Yeah, they are available on Amazon right now. Um, CowgirlCameron.com is under construction. It will be um, relaunched in August. And so 
for now, you can get them on Amazon. Um, but once the website is relaunched, you can get books, you can get different activities, lesson plans, program guides, things like that. It's There's going to be a whole host of resources available for people or parents, educators who are interested in incorporating equine experiential education into their kids' uh, learning. Fantastic. I know our listeners love Amazon, just like most people, <laughs> yes. because it just makes things easier. And yeah. I know that in the past, people were like, oh, well, I like the indie bookstores. Well, some people, you know, can't leave their house for whatever mm-hmm. reason. And so Amazon yeah. just makes it so much easier. So thanks so much for sharing that. And I'm wondering when it comes to um, publishing, Did you choose to self-publish or did you go with an agency? So I self-published. I am impatient. And I also, uh, being the author and the illustrator and completely, you know, over the creative direction of the book, why not, right? Um, I will say, you know, I I encourage people to self-publish, especially if they just want to to have that practice of producing something and getting it out there. Um, But you don't have that marketing, uh, you know, machine behind you. And that's okay. I've done a lot of work without having that. But I am now in conversations with traditional publishers because they have seen what impact uh, Cowgirl Cameron has had already, and they know that I have a vision for for more books. So it just depends on what your long game is and what resources you have available to you now. Um, but I definitely recommend self publishing to get started. Well, congratulations! I think that is huge, Thank uh, you. a huge accomplishment, and I love. I can definitely relate to that because, you know when you self-publish, especially if you're someone who likes to check off the boxes and say, I did it, you Mm -hmm. know, self-publishing does give you that autonomy and that control when you want to see the finished product soon, whether than waiting like a year or so um, to see it. And so I think that's one of the advantages of self-publishing. So for anybody who is listening and they have a child who is an artist, and also a storyteller. Do you have any advice Mm -hmm. for them? Absolutely. Let them publish them a book (laughs) and send those royalties to a bank account. They can either use it for their allowance or college fund, whatever. But I... I truly recommend um, getting kids into that. And, And I'll just say, I remember I was in the fourth grade and we wrote poems and put them into a book and have had it published hardbound and to be a part of that process and to see something that came from the flits of glitter in my mind out into my hands that is such a confidence booster and such an opportunity giver you know where a kid may not even want to be an author but 20 years down the line they're like I need to produce something. I have done this before. You know, they don't they don't have that that closes the gap between knowing and and doing. And I think that you if you have a kid that is artistic or has a story they want to tell or even if it's pictures, 
um, that's an option also. They don't have to draw everything. If they want to take pictures of their story, that is possible. That's a possibility. And you can definitely do that through Amazon um, KDP self-publishing as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love it. Did you always want to be an author? No. <laughs> no, no. It was it was really by by happenstance and by you know you have those moments especially if you work with animals where you're like I wish somebody was recording my life because no one would believe what just happened to me. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like no one would believe that I was trying to move hay and a pot like the chicken laid eggs on top of the hay and chicken <laughs> eggs just fell from the sky. No one would believe this, but that is an incredible situation to be in a story for kids. You know, it's, it's funny, it's random. Um, and it's really what life is like when you are working on a farm. And um, that just puts kids one step closer to uh, the the reality that that agriculture related people have. So when you were young, did you you grew up on the farm, but did you know that you wanted to be a veterinarian? Is that what you went to school for? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So so yeah, I, I always wanted to help animals. Um, I have a framed picture when I was seven. Um, it says I want to travel around the world in a Jeep, like a vet to help animals in the world, all around the world. (laughs) (laughs) And it's just, you know, it's got me a picture of me in this Jeep and, you know, I have it framed because it shows so many parts of me from such a young age, you know, wanting to draw, riding in a Jeep. And I mean, I had a Jeep growing up Um, and then really wanting to travel the world and and help different animals. And at this point, it's not by way of veterinary school, but I'm still able to do what seven-year-old me wanted to do. And that just like, (laughs) every time I think of it, it's just like, wow, like that's um, full circle, a full circle moment. Absolutely. I love it. That I love the fact that you have a picture so that you can see something tangible that says, this is where I was. I had this thought and I did all of these things to accomplish that one goal. And I was able to, because to me, like if you're able to do that one thing that you've always wanted to do in your mind, you're like, I could do anything I want to do. Exactly, exactly. And the 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 teacher that I did this assignment in, um, I've been going back to her class and reading oh, wow. to her to her class. And she always says like, Y'all won't believe it, but I used to teach this young lady and the kids are just like, what? And I'm like, I'm not that old, okay? (laughs) Wasn't that long ago, but you know, it's just, it's just such a a full circle moment for, for my professional life and, and the things that I, you know, create in order to make myself happy and make other people happy. So 
Yes, you are a creative. I love, I love that the teacher is saying that because I think, you know, when I was in school, I would hear kids say, you know, well, when are we going to use this? Is this practical? You know, like, am I going to really apply this to my life? But for those kids in her class being able to see, wait a minute, she's real. Like, this is a real person who used to sit where I sat. And, you know, that really gives them hope. And it helps them really see the world as something that they can actually do things in. It's yeah, not just this big harder. open space. They Dang. can then start setting goals because they see you and they're like, well, she was able to accomplish her goals so I can accomplish my goals. And I think that that's beautiful because I remember when I was in school, which was a long time ago, but I remember sitting in my classes and we would have different speakers come in and those moments like when I close my eyes, I can see those guests because they often made such a big impression on my life. And I know that you're making a big impression on those student lives as well, because it's just something about seeing it in person that is a yeah. little bit different than yeah. just reading about it. So they're, right. they're able to do both when right. you come and that really deepens the impression. Right. Right. And I, um, I specifically, you know, show up as authentic and sh short of any other words, black as possible, <laughs> <laughs> because it's important for me for black kids to see that. And, you know, growing up in Chapel Hill, I had a very it was a very affluent area. I got to see lots of things, but they didn't. The people who were doing these amazing things didn't look like me. Right. You know, and so it's it's important for me to to show up as a black entrepreneur, to show up as a black creative, as a black author, illustrator, horsewoman. You know, you don't have to be one thing mm -hmm. and you don't have to be everything. You can be exactly what you want to be. And it's very important for me to show up that way for the kids that I um, get to interact with. You've accomplished so much already in your life. What is next for you? What's next for me is really getting, um, really getting Calgo Cameron out there. Um, I, like I said before, it kind of started off as a hobby, something I was doing on the side, but as full-time entrepreneurship has really given me the freedom to um, expand on these dreams. I've really put my focus there. And so I want to continue to do workshops with kids, continue to build out curriculum for teachers, parents, and educators, and continue to show the world how Black horsemen and women can impact this industry and how working with horses doesn't have to look the same all the time. Yeah, so you're an educator on top of all the other things that you do. I think it's brilliant. I think what you're doing in the community is fabulous. And, you know, I know that my time with horses was just special and it, it made an impression on me and how I interact with other animals and just animals are just so loving. They, mm -hmm. they, they look at you and they trust you, you know, of course it takes time, but there's, there's something that's very authentic and unique yeah. about 
a person's interaction with animals that's different from humans. And so I know that this is what you do every day. Do Mm -hmm. you have any moments in your mind where you're thinking back and you're like, wow, this was one of the best days of my life. Do you have any moments like that? Um, I do. I do. So um, in the last year, I've been doing a lot of leadership development with horses, um, not with not with kids, with executives. Um, and as an entrepreneur and working with people who are in corporate settings, I have come across some people who are, you know, just so frustrated by the box that they have been put in. And when they work with the horses, I mean, tears are flowing Mm. and they, they get to show how they get to show up authentically where they may not have had space to do that in their work. They get to, to see how their presence impacts a, a, a animal that's asking nothing of them but to be kept safe and so there's just you can see wheels churning when it comes to um that kind of work um i remember a a, a moment specifically um a woman saying that you know her her mom had just passed and and people are expecting her to show up post grief or not post grief but you know grieving as she did pre-grief and she just can't and so as soon as she was able to verbalize and release that what she that knot she had been holding on to um the horse stepped to her and put his his head on her chest and so she starts crying and i'm like (laughs) blinking like um okay And that recently was one of the most like, like touching, like, I know that this works and I know what kind of power comes from this, but to see it over and over and over is like, like, I I promise this is not magic, (laughs) but it's beautiful every time. Yeah, it's a magical experience. It may not be magic like we see on Disney, Mm -hmm. but it is magical in real life. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So I've just enjoyed talking to you. I know this conversation is coming to an end, but I know you also have a podcast. Can -hmm. you tell everybody about your podcast and, you know, what they can kind of expect when they listen? Yeah. Yeah. So um, the podcast is going through a little bit of a change. It used to be called Young Black Equestrians, the podcast. It is now called Black in the Saddle podcast. And I talk about the passion, culture and lifestyle of the black horse industry. So I interview different members of the industry, whether it be just riders, professionals, um, inventors, um, there's there's tech people, there's manufacturers, there's trainers, there's all kinds of people. And then we just have conversations about what their experience is like in the industry, as well as where we can go from here. So it is a beautiful, beautiful podcast. I'm 100 episodes in and the next season is starting in August. So I'm really excited about that. 
Congrats. That is huge. Say the name of the podcast one more time. Yeah. And we will definitely add it into the show notes, but okay. say it so that people will remember. And remember, everybody, for these podcasts, you can definitely ask your smart speaker. So if you have an Alexa or mm -hmm. a Google Home yeah. or whatever, you know, what is it? The app Apple has one too. Yeah, something. I don't something. know. <laughs> um, but those are the other, the ones I yeah. mentioned are the most yeah. popular. But you can say to your devices that you want to listen to a particular podcast and it will play the podcast. I don't know if yeah. you guys know that hack, but I do it all the time, especially for those of you who have older parents. They mm. love listening to the radio. So just put mm. a podcast on for them. Yeah. My mom is 84. She's with me. And I put a podcast because she likes to talk all day and I'm like working. And I'm like, oh, so I put a podcast on. I just speak to the device and it, it talks to her all day. So, yeah. Yeah. So, so it is the name. It is Black in the Saddle podcast. Awesome. Awesome. I definitely have to tune in and listen. I'm fired up and excited about what you have shared with us. And, you know, to learn more, I'm excited about learning more because you have so much to offer. And I know there's so much more that you're going to be giving the world and giving your community. So I can't wait to tune in because it's, it's an exciting time for <laughs> black children for all children who are interested in learning more about animals and when i think about what's going on in the world like with climate and everything and you know yeah. we kind of have to get back to nature and just understand yeah. the environment around us and exactly. so talking to you today was like that reinforcement that we needed that it's okay to love animals it's okay to want to be a veterinarian Regardless of what your demographics are, this is something that can be for you if that's what you want. Do you exactly. have any final, you know, words of wisdom that you want to share with the audience? Yeah, um, I think that when it comes to having a big dream and not seeing something that looks like that, not seeing proof that it you can do it or proof that it exists so you know you can make it I think that you just have to really know that despite not seeing that proof you know chipping away at it one step at a time some things no one has done before and if they have it's never going to look like what you have created and so that doesn't mean that you don't do it that just means that you go even harder in creating and in, in producing that vision Absolutely. So Ariana is a trailblazer. That's, that's what's going to come to my mind. <laughs> when I think of you, you are blazing your own trail. And I'm just so grateful that you took time out of your busy schedule because, you know, working on a farm, working with animals, just working, period, is a, it's a lot of work. And it can be hard to carve out time to, to talk to others. So I appreciate you know, you spending time with us and introducing us to what you do, because I think it's fantastic. So thanks so much for sharing. Of course. Thank you so much for creating this space to have this conversation. I, when I came across your podcast, I was like, oh, yes, <laughs> yes, this is the kind of stuff I love to talk about. <laughs> yeah, this is fantastic. I know everybody who is listening wants to connect with you. Can you let them know where they can connect with you and follow your journey? 
Yeah, you can um, connect with me on any. Well, I won't say any Facebook and Instagram at Cowgirl Cameron um, or the Abriana J um, on both of those platforms as well. Well, thank you. Thank you. We will be tuning in to find follow your journey to see Maestro and Encore. Perfect names because they're so memorable. <laughs> I know. Which is excellent. So I can't wait. Um, what we're going to try to do, um, I'm going to, and I haven't done this before, but I feel impressed to do this. If you are listening and you want your child to have her books, I will... Um, I'm going to create a giveaway for this episode and um, I'm going to choose one winner to receive her books. So definitely visit the show notes page so that you can enter this giveaway. I haven't done that in the past, but I am, I, I know I love my time with horses. And I know that if your children are listening and you know, your children like animals, this is definitely some books that you want to have in their library. So enter the giveaway and win the books and definitely head over to Amazon to purchase the books as well. So thank you so much. They make great gifts for baby showers. So if you know somebody who's about to have a baby, (laughs) get them books. Yes, yes. Thank you so much. You're welcome. All right. Bye, everybody. Visit cleverlychanging.com and click on the shop tab to place your order.